You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. How many of you have been here the past few weeks for putting your faith to work? All right. And one person was happy about it. Listen, I love the fact, I've said this before, in fact, I spoke a few weeks ago and I probably said this a few times, I love the fact that uh, the Bible is challenging to me. Uh, In in fact, every time I get into the Bible, uh, as I'm reading, as I'm listening for God to speak, it's challenging to me. And we certainly see that as we continue on in the book of James. James is an upfront communicator, and I love that. I appreciate that. I don't like people to beat around the bush, just tell me how it is, and James does that. In fact, sometimes he calls me names that I don't appreciate. He's just, he's just real with us. This morning, as we get into uh, the few verses that we'll cover, we're going to be talking about money. Oh, I expected to hear a few groans there. We will not be talking about necessary tithing, um, offerings, that sort of thing. I know that's a typical one to talk about. But here we see in James like a totally different focus that James is given about money. Listen, our money talks. In fact, it says volumes about what we think is important. How we deal with money is a reflection of our spiritual health. As we go through the the message this morning, I want us to, to rest in that. Like when we misuse money or abuse money or uh, are just careless with money, it's really pointing to something that's going on in our heart that Jesus wants to transform. He wants to change. Money is a wonderful tool, but a horrible master. Our goal should be to use the money tool wisely so that we might honor God as we manage his goods. You know, years ago, my wife and I, we made several commitments to the Lord as we were getting married about what our life would look like after we got married and specifically involving kids. And, and one of the things that we committed to God is that my wife wouldn't work outside the home once we started having kids. Now, we got pregnant three months after we got married. Uh, what was that? Something like, ooh. I think those people know that life changed at that moment. It was radically different as soon as we started having kids. But so for us, you know, a very short year into our marriage, we're having to uh, fulfill this commitment to God of my wife not working outside the home. And in fact, we'll be married 29, 29 years in November. And with the exception of three months, because my dad and his company needed her, she has not worked outside the home. Now, with that commitment came a lot of challenges financially, working on one income. Uh, I've always been called into ministry. In fact, between my ninth and 10th grade year, I was called into ministry, but I was serving at a church that could not pay me. So I was working three or four jobs uh, sometimes just to make ends meet. Finance was always a challenge to us. But this is the thing that I love to look back on because I committed every part of our life, including our finances to him. God always provided He always provided. So I think there's something that's going on in our heart when we're struggling with this this issue of money. I don't think that we're going to find anywhere in Scripture that God says not to buy things uh, that you like or enjoy. How many of you are thankful for that? Amen. Amen. Yes. I think he wants us to have a happy life. I think he wants us to have a good life. But more than that, I I know that he, he wants our hearts to be focused on him. And money, as we see in society and probably in our own lives, money can be a huge distraction. So as as I was preparing for this, in fact, yesterday uh, I was on Facebook just for a short time. Nobody's on Facebook for a short time. Let's admit it. 
But I saw this video circulating, and, and, and in the video, this is, this is what the guy was saying. Money can buy you a house, but it can't buy you a home. Money can buy you a clock, but it can't buy you time. How many of y'all would love to buy more time? Money can buy you a bed, but it can't buy you sleep. I appreciate that one only because I've got two little ones that constantly wake me up in the middle of the night. And I've got a really nice bed. But money can't buy you sleep. I like this. Money can buy you good insurance, but it can't buy you safety. Money can pay for a doctor, but it can't buy you health. Listen, money can buy a lot of things, but it can't buy you some of the most important things in life. And it can be such a huge distraction for us, especially in our pursuit for Jesus. So let's think for just a few minutes about how much, how much attention we give to money. We probably think about money every day if you buy gas, especially these days. If you buy food, if you buy Starbucks a few times a day, you think about money. If you're paying bills or planning for a vacation, you're thinking about money. If you have stocks, you're checking the market every day. You're thinking about money. If you have a little one or two in diapers, you are definitely thinking about money. Listen, we can't escape it. This whole focus of money, we cannot escape. So as was stated before, we want to make sure that money itself is not our master. Money itself is not controlling us. We spend a lot of energy controlling our money, but we must not let money control us. Listen, I love the story of, of Joshua because we see, I'm going to mention just a few examples of, of how we see in Scripture a, a few times where money was controlling somebody and the outcome was pretty bad. The outcome was pretty bad. And the first one I thought of was in the story of Joshua. Joshua was leading the, the Israelites to, to conquer Jericho. We all remember the story, maybe even remember the song they used to sing as a kid. Uh, but they walked around Jericho, the walls came tumbling down. But this is the instructions that God gave to Joshua. And, and he said this, everything that's in, in this city belongs to me. Don't take any of it. And that wouldn't have been like the norm when you conquered a city, if you, you would take the, the plunder from it. But God in this instance was telling Joshua and, and to make sure to tell the Israelites not to take anything from it. In Joshua 6, 7, the Lord gave these instructions. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. So that was God's instructions. Yet look at Joshua seven twenty to 21. We find out that a, a man named Achan did not honor those instructions, did not obey those instructions. And he ended up taking some things as they conquered Jericho. But look at Joshua seven twenty to 21. It says this, Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw, when I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent. With the silver underneath. The story for Achan did not end well for him, right? He was actually put to death. But we see this heart condition in Achan. God was giving them a city. In fact, God gave them the city and they didn't even have to fight for it. And the simple instructions were, look, in this particular city, because they would, they would conquer other cities later on, everything that's in this city should be devoted to the Lord. Yet we find Achan and he sneaks some stuff and it's revealed later. 
How about this story? You're familiar with Ananias and Sapphira, right? In Acts 5, 1 through 5. Now, let, let me set the backdrop, because sometimes we look at this and we're like, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. I mean, it was his land. It should have been his money. And then still, this guy drops dead. But what was taking place at that time where the, the Jews had gathered from all over the world. They'd come there to worship to the festivals in, um, in Jerusalem. We see what happens in the upper room. The, the Jews that are now turning their lives to Jesus stay in, in Jerusalem to be discipled. And so they had left their homes, they had left incomes. And now they're there, staying there, being discipled. And so God was finding means to supply for them. And one of the means that God was finding to supply for the Jews was that other Jewish believers began to take up offerings and sin to the church in Jerusalem just to make sure. Another way that they did this, and I thought this was, I think this is a beautiful thing, is the Jews that were right there in Jerusalem, they began to sell off property. And they would give them money from the sale of that property to the Christians that were in need who had left their homes and their income. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it was something that the Holy Spirit had directed. But we see Ananias here. He gets a little bit deceitful when there was, wasn't a need to. But Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with, with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property, which other people were doing. With his wife's full knowledge, so already, already we, we begin to see that there's a little scheme happening here. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. In other words, he was being deceptive. At that point, everybody was bringing the sale of their property uh, to the apostles, and it was being spread out for those in need. And we see Ananias, he keeps some, but he's acting like you know, he's bringing it all. And this is what Peter says. Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? I love this. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. So listen, money really isn't the issue in these stories. It's the condition of their hearts that's the issue. Money becomes this huge distraction. And... and um, begins to take their mind, their focus off of what God is leading them and guiding them and directing them. And then we see these horrible outcomes. So as we break down James 5, 1 through 6, we're going to go through a a few different points this morning in a very short amount of time. (laughs) James 5, 1 through 6 says this, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Man, sounds like a good movie. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Listen, in this passage, James is confronting those who are pursuing wealth at the expense of others. They are self-consumed and driven by gaining more. Their wealth has blinded them to what really matters. I've said it, I'll say it again. Money can be such a huge distraction in our lives. James 4, 17 said, Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. 
So when it comes to money and when it really comes to any part of our life, there's two, two types of sins. And the first one is sins of commission. And these are sins that result in doing things you should not do. Anybody willing to admit that, that you do things you should not do? My hand is up. I believe God asks us to give way more than we choose to give when it comes to money. Sometimes our lack of giving is greed. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's the lack of compassion or caring for the need of others. This is the thing that I do know. God asks us to give. And I would admit to say that I, I don't give often enough. The next thing we have is the sins of omission. And these are the sins that are the result of not doing the things we know we should do. And there's so many things in our life that God's asking us to do, and it's, sometimes we find ourselves in this constant battle, many times saying no or ignoring those, those prompts, the Holy Spirit prompts that we have moment by moment of every day. So when we talk about faith and money, we have to understand that money is, money is neutral. The scripture does not say money is evil, but it is the love of money that is evil. We see that in 1 Timothy 6.10. So let's look at three points and then we'll close. The first one is this, how we get it, how we get it. We see it in James chapter 5. We just read it, verses 1, 4, and 6. If we have obtained our wealth through means of exploitation, our silver and gold will testify against us. That's a daunting thought, right? We have to understand that even when God is blessing us with more, and he does, thankfully, we have to understand that how we get, how we get it, how we get more, is important. When I think about our society and culture, we have so many things, so many things backwards. We've all heard this said, look out for number one. Look out for number one. Yet the Bible says to prefer others above yourself. And there's really no conditions on that. There's no a few times a week. There's no, hey, if you do this at least five times a month. No, the Bible says that I'm supposed to prefer others above myself. How about this? Society says get as much as you can. Get as much as you can. But the Bible says give. And not just give, but give sacrificially. You see how we've got things backwards, and that even creeps into our lives because we're a part of society. Society says this, and you've heard it. He who dies with the most toys wins. My thought is, he who dies with the most toys is dead. (laughs) They're pretty much still dead. Hebrews 13, 16 says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. The last thing I thought of was society says to do what you have to do to climb the ladder of success. But the Bible says to live with humility and God will lift you up. So the first thing to pay attention to is how we get it. The second thing to pay attention to is how we guard it. And we see that in James 5 verses 1 through 3. Guarded wealth promises joy, but only brings misery. When we begin to love money, it ceases to bless us and begins to curse us. Let me read a quick story out of Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against Every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much 
you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. They don't have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. (laughs) Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Listen again, money is not the issue. But when the love of money becomes a distraction, when the love of money is turning our heart from God to other things, that's what James is warning about. So we have to pay attention to how we guard it, how we, how we build it up. Listen, the Bible does not discourage saving or even investing, but it condemns a hoarding or greed. Colossians 3.5 says a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Listen, I don't even think necessarily that people have a, have a lot of money invested or a lot of money saved up. If they're still worshiping God with everything that they have, listen, they're good. Again, it's not the money that's the issue. In fact, many times, in many areas of our life, the, the things themselves aren't the issue. It's the heart. It's our heart that is the problem. When our focus shifts from a wife's investment to simply gaining more wealth, the condition of our heart must be examined. When it comes to money, wisdom can be a godly motive, but wealth can be a worldly enticement. So we have to watch how we guard it. And the last thing is this. We have to watch. We have to be aware of how we give it. We see that in James 5.5. It is not what we have guarded, but what we give that makes us rich. Luke 6.38 says, do, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Listen, God desires to flow his goods through our lives so that we might be conduits of blessing and effective ministers of the gospel. You hear Pastor Farrell say it all the time, we have been blessed to be. This certainly involves the resources that God gives us. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing to those around us. So what we keep, we lose. But we invest in serving others and giving to God's work, God blesses. Let's close our eyes. Look, I would, I would imagine there's not a person in the room that, you know, as we talk about money and, the, and money and the proper use of money, especially when it comes to our giving to God and, and blessing those around us, and there's probably not a person in here that's not challenged by that. I am. I mean, there's, if I'm honest, there's things that I want, and those things cost, those things cost money. But when we begin to allow anything in our lives, including money, to distract us from our worship to God, our hearts to serve God and to serve those around us. That's the problem. Anything that draws our attention away from the God who's loving us and showering us with grace and mercy, anything that distracts us from the God who gave us everything that he has, Look, I believe that this morning there's, there's some in the room this morning that as we pray and, and close, God's just going to do a quick transformation of the heart. And, and, and really the, the way that I see it more is 
He just draws your attention back to the things that are important. Listen, I'll say it again. I want everybody in the room to understand that this, this isn't about God not wanting you to have things or, or to have you know, money saved. It's not about that at all. It's about our hearts. But money typically is a pretty big tell about where our heart is. God, I just ask you right now, with everybody that's in the room, with everybody that's joined us online, Lord, in this area, Lord, that you just begin to speak loudly and speak clearly. Lord, I think sometimes it's really easy for us to say things like we're giving you everything that we have, but in reality we hold on. We hold on to things. God, I'm asking you right now just to do a work within, within in all of our hearts. Lord, there is so much, so much that you're asking us to give in the season that our world finds itself in. So many things you're asking us to give. Lord, I pray, my prayer is this, that each one of us could come before you and truly and honestly say, I just lay everything at your feet, Lord. Everything that I have is yours. Everything that I have to give is yours. Lord, do a work within all of our hearts that keep our minds, our attention, our focus, our worship on you and you alone. You are an awesome God and you are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.